Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. We began this uh, year with the theme Dream Again because uh, God had put it on my heart that as a church we'd taken a, a, a little bit of a journey. And I think that when, when Activate Church began, it was launched with lots of dreams and visions and excitement and passion. And sometimes when you circumnavigate those things for a little while, sometimes those things can feel like they get shut down. God said, It's time to dream again as a church and to continue to just you know, speak to God and, and cry out to Him for more and, and what He wants to do, not only as a church, but in the lives of individuals. And so this year, we started that, that theme, Dream Again. Today, I want to cast vision for where we're going from this place. And every time this happens, uh, just so you know, um, we, I, I will spend that time with God and we pray about what's happening in the year and you know, take this to the eldership team. And we prayed over this and uh, lots of confirmation and uh, about where we're headed as a church. And so today, I want to speak to you more about that for where we're going to go next year. So how about we pray and then we can get stuck straight into it. Father, we thank you so much for today. Lord, we thank you that you are our provider. We thank you, God, that you give us all the resources that we need. And God, I just... I thank you, God, for so much more than just the resource. I thank you that resurrection power lives in your people. I thank you, God, that people are filled with your spirit, with your presence, and God, that you want to do great and mighty things with your people. Father, today as we sit in our seats, I pray that you would stir our hearts to not theory, but to action that you stir our hearts so that we would begin to act on what you put inside of us. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, Amen. Come on, everybody. There's two people. Everyone said, all right, that feels better. I feel like you're with me now. So I want to read a scripture to you. It comes out of Joshua. And this is where we're going to begin today. God commissions Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan and uh, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. This book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Every mission begins with a commission. Every mission begins with a commission. You know, as a kid, I dreamed a lot. I would dream, daydream, and think about my life and think about all kinds of things. As I got older, that never went away. I remember sitting in work meetings and looking out the window, and we're talking about budgets, and we're talking about what's in the pipeline and which sales are meant to come through. And really, to be honest, I just look out the window and I would dream about what God could do with his church and I dream about what God could do with my life if I gave it to him and in fact to be honest this week even I was 
sitting in my chair praying. And again, I, I still say this. I still say, God, I give you my whole life. And I'm a full-time pastor and still I know that it's possible for me to withhold. I say, God, I give you my whole life. And I just dream about what life could be like if I gave him my entire life, every part of it. I say, God, if I'm withholding anything, I want to give it to you. And I dream of God doing great things. And God puts some of those dreams in my heart. So those dreams become pictures of a desirable future. We call that vision. And I get a picture of the future that I know that I want to live in and what I believe God can do. God dreams are not supposed to stay dreams. So we have this year dream again. And I love dreaming again. It entertains the possibilities of what God could do. But how many of us would understand that God dreams are not supposed to stay dreams? Think about it like this. God dreams are supposed to be more like a starting block. So my kids are involved with little athletics and they, uh, my son Isaac, you know, he, he's been doing this for a little while now and to entertain some of the little kids, that's this, because the whole thing goes for hours, you know, there's lots of different races. And so to entertain the children that can't be involved in it, the small kids, they do this little race. And they started about the 50 meter mark. And then, you know, they'll get the gun and they'll fire the gun. And then everyone will, uh, all the little kids just run as fast as they can to the end. And so my daughter, Eliana, she's two and she always wants to go in this race. And so we bring her to what is essentially the starting block, I guess. It's just around the 50 meter mark. And we put her there and then they get the gun. And they stand there and they fire that gun and it goes off. But none of the kids really know what that means. So then they just look around for like confirmation. And so Eliana, she looks around at us for confirmation. And there on Friday night was myself and Isaac and Judah. And we're all yelling like, run, like run. Like this is your ch- this is your moment. Go, 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 right? She's like, oh, so she gets to this. She starts running as fast as she can. And she gets to the end. She crossed the line. To be honest, she just wanted to keep going. I picked her up. She burst into tears. She says, I just want to run. It sounds very Forrest Gump, but it happens, you know? And so... <clears throat> And and, and so this is what I feel like people do in life. They have the picture of what God wants for them. And they're in the starting blocks, but they're just waiting for confirmation. When's my time to run? When's my time to go? When should I start? How many people do you know that dream great dreams, but are just waiting for the moment when the planets align and everything's supposed to fall into place before they really start to run the race that God has prepared them for? And one of the things that I've learned about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit will say, go. Jesus said, go. They say, go. And when we hear the voice of the Spirit, the sound of the gunfire, that is the signal to us to begin to run the race that He's marked before us. It is often met with inadequacy when we look inside ourselves. And we look inside ourselves and we say, I heard you say go, but I just don't know if I'm able to do what you've put in my mind. I don't know if I'm able to run the race that you've prepared me for. So in my devotions, just, just every day I read a, a little bit of the Old Testament, a little bit of the New Testament and the Psalms. And in my devotions a couple months ago, I was reading the construction of the tabernacle. 
And if you're new to church and you have no idea what I just said, it's pop-up church. It's just mobile church. It is just a tent that they pop up when you're in the desert and you have nowhere else. Just pop up the tent. This is where we're, church is right here, okay? So it's pop-up church. So, so then you have these people that have to construct the tabernacle, yeah? All right. What are they really good at as a people? They're really good at making bricks. So if they say, do we have any brickies? It's like three million people. <laughs> yeah. We have spent a lot of time making bricks. This is what we're good at. Well, I need a couple people to begin to build pop-up church, the tabernacle. I need some people to help me out there. So they're just out of luck because when they look around, they see a lot of people that don't have the skills. And yet, this is what Exodus 35 says. Moses says this. He says, See, the Lord is called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with what? The Spirit of God. With skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and carving wood, for, air, for work in every skilled craft. And he has inspired him to teach both him and, oh gosh, I wish they just told you how to say these words, Eliab, the son of Ahizamak of the tribe of Dan. And I read that passage and I think to myself, I think that the church is still built the same way. Is the church still not built with people that are filled with the Spirit of God where God gives them skills and talents and abilities, intelligence, craftsmanship, everything that we don't have is what He has. And I look at that, I think, I think God is still building the church the same way. What's so special about this guy? Nothing except that God chose him. And then God takes his immense capacity and skill and He puts it in him. Now, I believe... So what happens is God qualifies the cold and we call that anointing. An anointing is divine favor on your life to accomplish what would otherwise be impossible. I remember even when I was to take over this church, meeting with a couple of people, some of them so discouraging. And they said to me, as I, be, as I was beginning to take the reins for the church, they said, oh boy, I just look at you and I just say, oh, you're, you know, you're just, it's, this is so hard and this is really a difficult thing to do. I said, whoa, I said, hey, I said, you used to be a pastor, right? And this person said, yes. I said, could you describe to me your experience? He said, oh, it was so hard. I said, yeah. I said, I know you had a hard time, but don't come to me and begin to tell me how hard it's going to be because what I believe is that God qualifies the cold. So when, it doesn't matter, don't tell me how difficult it is. I, I know it's, there's going to be challenges, right? But that's okay because when God calls you, He gives you what you need. You might want to write that down if you're taking notes. When God calls you, He gives you what you need. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us that Paul writes, writes to the Corinthians because they're trying to make sense of what's happening with these spiritual gifts that are beginning to come out of people. And he writes to them and he says to them, these things that you're experiencing, they are manifestations of the Spirit. 
So it's the same spirit that inhabits each believer. And then he's manifesting. The word manifest means to make something plain or obvious or simple or upfront. And he says he is making his spirit manifest in a very plain and obvious way through people by gifting them spiritually to do whatever they need to do. Now, can you imagine being the children of Israel just after you've crossed the Red Sea and looking at the impossibility of the things that lie before you? And imagine if they could just look into the future and see what the believers in the New Testament were able to have access to. See, I read this passage and I think, here, are these, here, here is this one guy who he says he's filled with the Spirit of God and he's given him wisdom and intelligence and craftsmanship and all the rest. Of, and the rest of them would say, of course he can do that because God has filled him with his Spirit. But imagine if they could look forward to the future and discover, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. He fills all believers. He can fill each and every one of us with His presence and with His power and with His ability. And if they could look forward to that, do you know what I think they would say? I think the people of the Old Testament looking forward to what God had promised would say, wow, whenever the church reaches that place, they will be unstoppable. Look at what He's able to accomplish with one person. Imagine if all the people were the same. I look at the church today, I think, boy, hey, hey, guess what, guys? We've got more than what they had back then. We have the Spirit of God that's within us. So the book, Joshua, it begins with this passage. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. I love how to the point God is. That wasn't very pastoral. Some of you are disappointed in him. Could you be a little softer around some of the details? But he doesn't. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. So Joshua is commissioned for the purposes of God. And he has gifted him to be able to do this. You with me? So what happens to the gift when the mind is adrift? What happens to the gift? Here is Joshua looking back and mourning and upset about the fact that Moses, who he served for so many years, is dead. Now, he's just as gifted and just as called as he has ever been. But while he's in a place of mourning and he's too busy looking back and being sad and upset, which is fair enough, right? That gift is doing nothing for him. Are you with me? Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? If you understand that you are called and you are gifted and you spend so much of your time looking in the rear vision mirror of life and looking back at your past mistakes and all the things that could have happened but didn't happen and how you might have squandered opportunities and all the brokenness and things that the issues that come with life if you spend your life doing that let me ask you a question what's happening to the gift while your mind is adrift and the answer is absolutely nothing because you might be just as gifted and just as cold as you has ever been. You're anointed and you're appointed and yet you're just not looking in the right direction because you're too busy focused on things that are in the past. And yet God says, I will give you, I will give you 
every place where the sole of your foot treads. So here you've got giftedness, commissioning, mission, anointing. And you've got God's willingness to give them every place where the sole of their feet shall tread. Now what's left? They need to take a step. And then they get that place. Yeah? All right, this is going to be real complicated. Stick with me, all right? If they want more land, what do they got to do? All right, so they take another step. Is this ours? Well, yeah. Did you put your foot there? Yeah. Well, now that's yours too. Say I want that piece of land over there. What do I got to do? Well, you just walk over to it. So I can have this? Yeah. Why? Well, the sole of, is the sole of your foot there? Yeah. Well, you can have that too. God is so willing to give people things to deliver on promises, to begin to answer prayers. And sometimes all he says is, I need you to take a step. I want you to begin to walk this thing out. See, even though he was willing to give them all of this, it didn't negate their responsibility to step out. And I don't know, I just wonder how many of God's promises remain dreams in the minds and hearts of God's people because they didn't actually do something about it. I mean, I'm all for dreaming. I'm excited about dreaming. Where you entertain and cultivate ideas about what God can do, but eventually you get to a place where you've got to start to step out. And I know that when you do that, by the way, just so you know, just give you the message up front, when this happens, you're going to have some challenges. Well, yeah, I mean, Satan's not in your corner saying, I'm really cheering you on. I mean, I just really love the way that you handled that back there. And just really, could you just lead someone else to Jesus? The devil is not in your corner doing that. He is not excited about you answering the call of God on your life. You know what he is interested in doing? Distracting you, having you look in the rear vision mirror of life, getting you caught up on your past, making sure that you're looking backwards instead of looking forwards, making sure you don't take a step. He will threaten, he will intimidate. Before I took a role even at church, two years before I took a role, I was driving along the road and God said to me, I'm going to place you in full-time ministry in two years. You'll be working at Activate Church. I said, no way, because I am the least likely person that people would appoint to be a pastor. I just don't believe it. I just don't think that that's going to happen. And God said, I'm going to do this. I said, okay. Now, this doesn't happen to me very often. But the moment that God said that, I heard another voice come straight into my mind that day. It was so loud. It was so clear. It was so simple. And this voice said, if you ever decide to work for church, I will take the life of your firstborn son before he turns five years old. And I said, you don't have the authority to do that. Only my father has the authority. He's the author of life. And you can't do what you're trying to intimidate me. So it was pretty much when he tried to intimidate that I realized it's possible that this thing is going to happen. So with every subsequent birthday, it's like four years old. And he, I would hear, even sometimes at his birthday party, my son Judah, at his birthday party, he says, get ready because you've got 12 months left before I take his life. I said, you don't have the authority to do that. I said, you're not going to do it. Trust me, he's going to try to intimidate you any way he can. 
and, and, and lay down the challenge for you so that you don't do what God's putting in your heart, so that you don't step out, so it can remain a dream. Israel's challenge right now, Israel's challenge is that they have been waiting for this moment for nearly 600 years. 600 years they've been waiting for all of the promises that God spoke about to begin to pass. And Moses is saying to them, it's going to happen. They're like, yeah, you keep saying that. It's going to happen. Yeah, I know. You keep telling us that. Did you know that when Israel was led through the Red Sea, when they crossed at the Red Sea from there to Canaan, where they would enter into the promised land of milk and honey, it was 11 day journey, 11 days. And people got tired of waiting. And after waiting for so long, they started to doubt the promises of God. They said, hey, we don't know if you're able to do this. They would complain and whinge. That made them wait another 40 years because they complained. And after 3 million people that crossed through the Red Sea and came out the other side, two made it. Two out of all of them. They just had to circumnavigate until all the faithless people began to die and drop off. Because you know what? They, oh, it's funny, I know. And this is the thing. They said, where we're going, we can't have faithless people. We need faith-filled people that have great expectations of the Spirit of God and what He's able to do. And when those people are gone, then we're going to be ready to begin to enter into the promised land. Could you believe after 600 years, could you believe for as long as them? Could you believe, could you believe that after 600 years that this was the appointed moment when God would begin to answer those prayers. See, God doesn't make promises He won't keep. There's so many promises here. But He doesn't make promises that He won't keep. Because while you're waiting, you can start doubting but he doesn't make promises that he won't keep. Proverbs thirteen twelve says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. So after 600 years, this is what he says. He says, it's time to cross over. It's time to cross over. And I feel like God had said the same thing to me about Activate Church. He says, it's time to cross over. We have a year of dreaming about what, entertaining the possibilities about what God could do. But now it's time to begin to cross over. Listen, 2017 is a year where this church will begin to cross over from the things that we have been wanting and hoping for and dreaming about into having those promises realized. And, and I'm, I'm going to see this unfold before me in my eyes. I, I'm, we were at heart and soul, the last most recent one that we did. And this is what God said to me. And I said it on the night. I said, God's given me a word. And he said, you have not passed this way before. And it comes from the scripture that I'm reading to you right now. He says, hey, listen, where you're about to go, you've never gone there before. 
our theme for next year, I say theme, our prophetic word for next year, where God is leading us is crossing over. Because I feel like this is going to be a year where people are going to step out and they're going to start to cross the line in a good way. And they're going to start to realize some of the things that God had promised to them in their heart. He's moving us from a place of promise to a place of possession. And I just want to tell you three things today. Because when God begins to move and when He gets you ready for this, there are things that you can begin to expect. Special things that God begins to do. I just want to tell you what three things are today. Number one, God will go before you. When God's preparing you to cross over, God will go before you. So when Israel are getting ready to cross over and they're getting ready to uh, cross over the River Jordan, they send out spies first to spy out the land and they come to this uh, the city. They say, in particular, the city of Jericho. And they come to this city and find this woman, Rahab, who's a prostitute, who ends up becoming, by the way, Jesus's great, 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 great grandma. How much do we love the redemptive purpose of God? And so they meet with her and they begin to ask her questions. And she says this, she says, the inhabitants of this land have heard what you did when you crossed the Red Sea. They've heard how your God fights for you and the inhabitants of this place, they melt away before you. They said, when we heard that you are preparing to come towards us, it says there, is, there was no spirit left in, left in any man because they knew that their time was up. What happens? God goes before you. See, when God calls you, listen into this for a minute. When God calls you, He has already seen the future. Yeah? So when He calls you to do something, He doesn't call you to failure. He prepares the way and He's already seen the future with you in it, doing what He's already asked you to do, yeah? So what do you do? Well, you can reflect back on your inadequacies and look at what you don't have, or you can do the smarter thing, which is to say, well, I guess if God's calling me, He's preparing something already. And I may not have what I need right now, but I know when I get where I'm going, I'm going to have it at that point. And you start to look at where you've been and you say, well, there's no indication in my journey up to this point that I'm going to be ready to do that. But then again, you've got to understand that the reason why you've circumnavigated so many things in your life before is because God was using that to prepare you for where He's planning on taking you. Because if God has spoken, trust me, He doesn't make promises that He won't keep. He doesn't call you to failure. But what He does do is He puts you in a position where you know it has to be Him that comes through for you. Because newsflash, He is not making you the hero of this story. He is the hero of the story. So of course He calls you to impossible things. So when they happen, He gets the glory. You know, I even saw Jesus, every time He prayed for somebody and they got healed, Jesus would do the most amazing things. And says, and they gave all glory to God. Even Jesus reflected the glory back up at God. We are not the heroes of the story that we find ourselves in. He is the hero of this story. Do you see that that God had actually destroyed the city of Jericho before they even arrived. They're already ready for failure. This is what Deuteronomy says. Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 1 says, Hero Israel, you are to cross over the Jordan today. 
to go in to dispossess nations greater and mightier than you, cities great and fortified up to heaven. On the outside, that thing looks almost impenetrable. On the outside, that thing looks like, hey, 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 listen up, where there is just no way this is gonna happen. Yet God's destroying them from the inside out, preparing the way and giving them the most outrageous strategy to begin to do something that He had promised them. Why? Because He doesn't make promises that He won't keep. What's the first thing that happens? God goes before you. What's the second thing that God does? God leads you. Next scripture. Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, it says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Shittim. Everyone wanted to get out of there. They said, let's get out of here, guys. And they came to the Jordan and he and all the people of Israel and lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits, which is nearly a kilometre in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Israel followed about a kilometre back. The Ark of the Covenant represented the very presence of God on earth. And so they were following Him. Think about this as a picture. Here are all of God's people. And you have God being carried by His priests that have been appointed by Him and consecrated by Him. And they are moving forwards. And they the Spirit of God is leading them. And He didn't want this whole crowd to be up around the ark because He said, you know what might happen? You guys might be such a big crowd that the crowd just starts to lead itself. No, no, you need to hang well back from where I am so that you can see where I'm taking you. I don't want you to begin to think, oh, I know where we're going because we've been here before. What you need to do is keep your eyes fixed on where God is leading you because where you're about to go, you've never been before. So how do you know the way? Well, you don't. So the only thing that you can do is you keep following the Spirit of God. You are not destined to circumnavigate failure or challenge, even though again, like I say, there is purpose in those. And I feel like 2017 will be a year where you'll need to listen to the Spirit of God. You listen to what the Holy Spirit says and follow your pastors and follow your leaders. Do you know what we call that? We call that unity. And if you wanna bring a blessing on this church and on yourself and say, where brothers dwell in unity, there God commands a blessing. So when you get the whole church and everyone's going, we're all headed in in the same direction, that's the church that's going to change the world they find themselves in. Number three, God prepares you. Last scripture. God prepares you. Joshua chapter three, verses five to six says, Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant and they went before the people. He said, consecrate yourselves. The word consecration means to be set apart, set apart for the purposes of God. And I'm just wondering for you this year, what are you doing this side 
of 2017 to begin to prepare yourself for what God is wanting to do next year. Well, I know it's a really busy time of year and I know that there's lots of things happening and December is just crazy and hectic, right? But have you given any thought this year to what God wants to do with you next year or were you just planning on circumnavigating your previous problems? Were you just planning on going where you'd gone before? Or have you taken the opportunity that this year has provided and said, I'm gonna begin to dream great dreams about what God could do. And in your heart, just begin to get prepared and begin to get ready for where God might lead you. Because God may very well lead you away and a place that you have never been before. What are you doing to set yourself apart for what God wants to do with your life in the year that is to come? 2017, what's it gonna be for you? What are you gonna do in that year? I reckon too many people are allowing the junk of life to get them to depart instead of being set apart. You got too much junk in your life. You're too focused on what you've done. You're too focused on where you've been. You're getting your heart all caught up and mixed up in stuff that's distracting you instead of getting your eyes fixed on Jesus and saying, wherever you go, I'm there. I mean, I'm gonna follow you. I'm gonna do whatever you want me to do. Is your heart ready for what God wants to do next year? Are you set apart? Get rid of the junk. Get rid of the distractions. Right now in this room, there are people that have been distracted. It might be something to do with your workplace, business. It's keeping you fixed and focused on that instead of lifting up your eyes and beginning to see what God is wanting to do with you in the year that is to come. Have you set yourself apart for the promises of God? Do you wanna be a people that continues to dream about promises or do you wanna cross the line and say, we're gonna see God do what we saw in our hearts. We're gonna see Him answer. We're gonna see Him answer prayers. We're gonna see Him move. We're gonna see Him touch people's lives. Are you prepared to cross the line? Have you set yourself apart for what God wants to do? I think Activate Church that we have been set up. We have been set up. I've been trying to get stuff to happen for years that all of a sudden begins January next year. Not just one, but multiple things. I can't figure out why. I don't understand it myself. I don't have all the answers, but I can tell you this, something special about next year. Something is unique about next year because all the things that we've been praying for, they start to happen in January and you get to be a part of it and I get to be a part of it. I mean, there's growth track and there's workshops and there's a new kids space and there's room and people are gonna grow and the church is gonna expand and all the rest of it, right? Great. My heart, I ask God for more salvations, more people to get saved. I do. If you're new and you're in church today and that sounds bizarre to you, I can understand that, but you've got to understand. I, I, I look at this short thing called life and I realise we're only here for a short time and there are some important decisions that people need to make while they're here on planet Earth. So I want to see people get saved and I want to see more baptisms and I want to see the Spirit of God move and touch and heal and transform lives. I want to see those things happen. So here's what you need to do. I'm going to give you some homework. Is that all right? All right, so you've got to prepare. Get prepared. Consecrate yourself. Just, just do this. Just spend some time 
thinking about what God might want to do with you. Start to get yourself ready. Set yourself apart. And then this is what you got to do. You, you, you come to a place where you got to cross over, where you take what's theoretically possible and you take your theology and your dreams and your visions and your ideas and you say in your heart, I'm going to cross the line and this year I'm going to step over and go where I've never been before because I believe that God is taking me a place I've never been. I've, I've never been this way. I've never passed this way before, but in, the, in, in my heart, I'm crossing the line and I'm saying to you, God, I'm here. I'm ready. I'm open. I'm prepared. I'm setting myself apart. I'm not going to look at what happens for the rest of my life and spend all my life looking in the rear vision mirror and saying, oh, but I messed up. I'm not going to spend my time doing that. I'm looking where you're going to take me. I'm looking where you're going to lead me. I'm fixated on you, Jesus. And wherever your spirit goes, that's where I go. Where you lead me, I'm going to follow. Take me somewhere I've never been before. Answer the prayers that have been in my heart, the dreams, the visions, the things that I hope for, God. I'm just going to follow you. I believe that you're going to take me somewhere I've never gone before. And you do all this so that when the opportune time comes, you'll already be ready. Because how many of us know if you live in such a way where you're not ready, when that time comes, you can't cross the line. You haven't prepared yourself. So you prepare now for the day when God says, today is the time you cross over. Israel, you've been reigning for 600 years, but today is the day. It's almost too good to believe, isn't it? It's almost unimaginable. Why should today be any different? Well, simply because I'm God and I said that today is the day I'm going to lead you into your future. You understand what I'm saying? All right, why don't you stand? We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.